and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, Buddy C, welcome to the Tao of Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Marla and Amy and Dennis and Shane. Good to have Dennis and Shane today. Today we will be talking about leaving things alone. Hmm. Oh, before we talk about this story from Chauncey, Marla, you guys still doing your meeting Monday through Friday? Uh, some people are still doing it. The Daily Recovery Meeting Yeah. Good. I'll, I'll put the I'll put the URL in the notes. DailyRecoveryMeeting.com, Is that yeah, right? Yeah, you don't you don't need to be a member of the SRC to join it. Yeah, just uh, and it's from one to two Eastern. Eastern. Yeah. Then we still have a nightly AA meeting at uh, ZoomAAMeetings.com. That link will take you directly to it, and then we'll put the link in the chat. That meeting is nine p.m. Eastern every night, and we run. Anywhere from 50 to 100 people, just depending on the night, uh, different people chairing every night. It's a open discussion, except for open topic discussion, except for Saturday when we do a speaker meeting. So it's a good meeting. Good. I've met some really great people all over the world and some close to me that I didn't even know were around. So like Amy, for example, you live, what, 20 minutes from me? Yeah, interesting. We've never even met in person. But we know a lot of the same people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're definitely connected on so many levels other than just this. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mentioned Amy come. Oh, Amy. Oh, yeah, I know Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving things alone. Actually, this is a a pretty straightforward story today, I think. I'm with Marla on this. Marla mentioned before we started recording that she understood this one. I'm I'm with you, Marla, and that's what scares me. And I think I understand it, you know. Well, now we're going to get some perspectives, different yes. perspectives from yes. all different areas, all different. Would you read the first, uh, there's three little stories. Would you read the first little story for me, Marla? Leaving things alone? Yeah. the You know, it's in three sections. So. No, I read it as one, but. You okay, know. go ahead. I'll read, I'll read the first section. <clears throat> I know about letting the world alone, not interfering. I do not know about running things, letting things alone, so that men will not blow their nature out of shape, not interfering so that men will not be changed into something they are not. When men do not get twisted and maimed beyond recognition, when they are allowed to live, the purpose of government is achieved. Too much pleasure, yang has too much influence. Too much suffering, yin has too much influence. Mm. When one of these outweighs the other, it is as if the seasons came at the wrong times. The balance of cold and heat is destroyed. The body of man suffers. Too much happiness, too much unhappiness, out of due time, men are thrown off balance. What will they do next? Thoughts run wild. Thought runs wild. No control. They start everything, finish nothing. Here competition begins. Here the idea of excellence is born and robbers appear in the world. 
Now the whole world is not enough reward for the good, nor enough punishment for the wicked, since now the world itself is not big enough for reward or punishment. From the time of the three dynasties, men have been running in all directions. How can they find time to be human? Hmm. I'll read the second, second one. You train your eye and your vision lusts after color. You train your ear and you long for delightful sound. You delight in doing good and your natural kindness is blown out of shape. You delight in righteousness and you become righteous beyond all reason. You overdo liturgy and you turn into a ham actor. Overdo your love of music and you play corn. Love of wisdom leads to wise contriving. Love of knowledge leads to fault finding. If men would stay as they really are, taking or leaving these eight delights would make no difference. But if they will not rest in their right state, the eight delights develop like malignant tumors. The world falls into confusion. Since men honor these delights and lust after them, the world has gone stone blind. When the delight's over, they still won't. When the delight is over, they still will not let go of it. They surround its memory with ritual worship. They fall on their knees to talk about it, play music and sing, fast and discipline themselves in honor of the eight delights. When the delights become a religion, how can you control them? Amy, will you read the third for me, please? Absolutely. The wise man, then, when he must govern, knows how to do nothing. Letting things alone, he rests in his original nature. He who will govern will respect the governed no more than he respects himself. If he loves his own person enough to let it rest in its original truth, he will govern others without hurting them. Let him keep the deep drives in his own guts for going into action. Let him keep still, not looking, not hearing. Let him sit like a corpse with the dragon power alive all around him. In complete silence, his voice will be like thunder. His movements will be invisible like those of a spirit, but the powers of heaven will go with them. Unconcerned, doing nothing, he will see all things grow ripe around him. Where will he find time to govern? Uh, comments? Let's go back to the first one for and look at it first. And let's see where there's some common threads here, but there's some things that are different too. Anything stand out in the first one? Mm, not interfering. With the way things are, stands out. I don't know how to run things. I don't know how they're supposed to work. So who am I to want to change them? Because I I don't really know how it's supposed to be. And it's really talking about in governance, in governing, when they're allowed to live, the purpose of government is achieved. We allow, we start. And I think... Anything talking about governing a life could be governing a person as well. And uh, notice this part. It, it says here that the balance is talking about the balance 
just balance really in life is one thing I saw. And I am so bad about going to extremes with everything. I'm getting better with that. But spending all my time on this or all of my time with this or, you know, all of those type things. And it goes back to this idea of uh, finding the balance between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, And it says that when we don't have the balance, that we have discontent. Mm -hmm. Too much happiness or too much unhappiness. Men are thrown off balance. What will they do next? No control. Thoughts run wild. No control. They start everything and finish nothing. That's a big generalization. (laughs) Yeah, but isn't it true, though, Marla? I mean, I mean, how. It's like you're 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 not being satisfied in what you're doing, mm-hmm. so you never finish it. You move on to something else because yeah, the next it's not giving you what you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I heard in that. It's interesting here that it says that when you're off balance like that, that that's where competition begins. The idea of excellence is born, and robbers appear. It's like what I have is not good enough, so I want what you have. I have to compete with you to get this because I don't have what I need. So when we're off balance, it causes all these other actions in our life. All the overachieving, that idea of excellence. I think that for me, I'm thinking of, you know, of having to be the best at everything kind of idea. At the same time, being not satisfied. Yes. And that idea of not satisfying is driving your drive to be the best because you're looking for something that you already have and you just don't know it. Yeah, you're always going to be looking for more, right? Because you're never satisfied. You will look for something more and never really achieve it because you keep raising the bar. It's like people keep building their wealth. It's like, I need more. I need more. You have have like $300 million. What do you need more for? But it's a thirst, a hunger, a competition. So, uh, what? It just, Dennis, you just reminded me of those uh, long binges of uh, of cocaine nights. You just can't get enough, <laughs> and it just kept going. And and it it reminded me, like you were saying, buddy, of uh, uh, not being able to get enough. You know, you just it's. It's never enough. You're never fulfilled, I guess, you know, Um, it's a tough way to live. You you know, and and it's not just to do with drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of us, unfortunately, even after we get sober, we don't learn this. I mean, I've seen people with 20, 30 years in the program that are still fall into this trap. Mm -hmm. Just because you get sober doesn't mean that you're in balance. <laughs> so true. Now, how about this last little paragraph of that part of this part one? Now, the whole world is not enough reward for the good. Is that that's what we're talking about there? And nor enough punishment for the wicked. Hmm. How many times when we've dealt with resentments do we realize that no matter how bad we punish them or punish us, it's never enough. It's never enough. Hmm. 
That's interesting. Yes. Actually, it reminds me this this whole thing, especially uh, especially the uh, the headline "Leaving Things Alone." It reminds me of a Louis C.K. bit. I said, you know, you know the old Christian story. You find a man and you you feed him fish. You have to to feed him fish every day, right? Now, if you if you teach him how to fish, you uh, you he'll be able to do it by himself. But then, if you leave him alone, he might figure it out by himself. Right? I don't know. That what that's what it reminds me of. If you leave people alone, they might figure it out. And again, with sponsees, you don't have to come up with the answers for them, right? <laughs> No, you just tell them how you did it, right? Yeah. yeah. And then they can gather from that. If they gather from that, yeah, then, well. then that would be great. Um, about this, since now the world itself is not big enough for reward or punishment. From the time of the three dynasties, men have been running in all direct. In other words, looking for reward or punishment. Never satisfied. Mm. How can they find time to be human? So it's pointing us toward this nature, right? This human nature, which it talks about in the other stories. And Mm -hmm. to be human, not do human or have human, but be human. Mm -hmm. So who has time to be? You can just say who has time to be and take the human off. And it Mm -hmm. would have a lot of meaning. Mm -hmm. Is that not what it's talking about is just being? observing I, yeah i think you're right yeah i think so yeah hmm. huh that's good that's good yeah all right and not striving it also talks a little bit about following your senses i mean that's when all these things goes wrong when you're following those eight delights that means you're following your senses and, and you and that instead of just like you're saying just being and observing that's uh that's pretty good so, the, yeah, this first one's telling us maybe that we're going to be discontent if we're out of balance and that we need to learn to be human mm-hmm. and not interfere and let, start allowing. Now, the second one goes into what you're talking about, Dennis. I think it goes into our senses and the delights that you're talking about, mm-hmm. the eight delights. Mm-hmm. And that the more we, see something pretty we want more of it the more we you know everything we just want more of everything that we like and that we and whatever we're overdoing that we just overdo it whatever it is and that when we lose our balance then instead of going positive when we lose our balance it looks like we go negative for whatever reason Love of knowledge leads to fault finding, love of wisdom, contriving. Like when we're out of balance with too much good, we, and according to this, it shifts to a negative. It doesn't like have more and more and more good. I think because there's only so much in that we try to create it within our own power. And all we have is fear. And that's all we have to work with within ourselves. So if we start trying to create happiness within ourselves, um, it looks like these are the kind of things that start happening. Love of knowledge leads to fault finding. If men that. would stay as they really are, that would be being human, right? Taking or leaving the eight delights would make no difference. Hmm. 
Do you have something? Marla, no, no, no. I'm just, you know, peru- musing over these things and how much I, you know, I love certain things like art and music. And yeah. I don't think there's an, a way to, well, I get, I, I think what they mean by excessive is your whole life is just that. It's like, as a musician, I'd be practicing from, you know, six in the morning to midnight. Hmm. Obsessive. Could be, I would think. Hmm. I think it's about extreme, right? Where extreme examples of self-will run riot. We're either, and it's all or nothing, you know? And then as far as too much of one thing leads to kind of the opposite. I think that's just the, the, the universe's way of getting back to that balance. Yeah. Balance will always be restored one way or another. And, and, you know, maybe this idea that, yeah, there's happiness out there for us, but if we're not satisfied with our lot of happiness and we try to create it on our own, that's when we get out of balance with this thing. That's Um, it. And if you are happy, you don't have to create anything. Right. That's right. Right. You're just content and satisfied and gratified. That goes back to the first little part of this whole thing, not interfering. Yeah. (laughs) And and then talking about staying as we really are, but if they will not rest in their right state, I'm in the middle of the, that first paragraph on the second page, rest in their right state. The eight delights develop like malignant tumors. Huh. What verse is this from? This is from Chauncey, uh, Thomas Merton's translation of Chauncey's writings, Dennis. And he and Chauncey was a student of Lao Tzu. Okay. So uh, that's where this came from. So, so it doesn't come from any specific of the 80, 81 verses? No, it does not. Okay. No, it does not. This is from... Uh, this is another book that was written later. This is the second most popular Taoist philosophy book behind mm-hmm. the Tao Te Ching. So okay. uh, this is more in story form is how he wrote. Uh, if they will not rest in their right state, then all these things are tumors if we don't. Rest. So now he's introducing rest into this. See, is that the what more? Amy. Oh, Amy, I'm sorry. It, it, isn't rest just another way of, of looking at, well, be still, right? But but just being okay with the way things are? Yeah, not interfering, yeah. allowing, you know, letting things be. I think Paul McCartney wrote a song called Let It Be. Did he? <laughs> hmm. He's so wise. The world falls into confusion since men honor these delights and lust after them. The world is gone stone blind. So the world, the world is blinded to rest because they're pursuing all these things. And this, this next part's interesting when it talks about when the delight's over, they still will not let go of it. They surround its memory with ritual worship. <laughs> I mean, how many times have you relived that great thing that happened, you know? Mm. 
play music and sing. When the delights become a religion, how can you control them? Then they take on a life of themselves. That's how most religions are born, I think. Sounds like a cult. Yeah, exactly, Marla. Exactly. The the lights become a religion. How can you control them? There's no control then. That reminds me of go go ahead, Amy. They're controlling you. Yeah. It reminds me of the funeral I go to and hear about how great this guy was. I said, "Mm, that's not what I remember. I don't remember him being that humble and sweet and nice and all of those things. <laughs> Any more comments on that section? How easy is it for us to take something that we've really enjoyed and make a religion out of it? I, I don't think I've ever done that. I've done it a bunch of times. Not not in the form of a like a religion, like a cult, but like uh, gave way too much credence to uh, a particular hobby or or some uh, uh, something that I really enjoyed and made it like it was this great thing when it really wasn't. It was okay and it was nice, but um, I remember I used to take my son out west on trips when he was little. We'd take the Jeep Wrangler out at least once a year when he started like in the second grade and we'd ride for a week in the desert and see all this. And it was great. But then I'd get the pictures out and look at it and remember how great it was and how everything was, you know, and then we couldn't wait till the next time, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, I asked him about something we did and he didn't even remember what I was talking about. Right. I thought, what are you talking about? You don't remember that it was this and this. He said, nah, I don't remember that. <laughs> And that's kind of a form of this, I think, that it kind of takes us out of the moment, uh, too, when we make religions of these things. Yeah. Yes, it does. Hey, buddy, I I was just going to say, that's what I was thinking when you were saying that is this is a a reminder to be in the moment and live in that moment instead of having to uh, go back and relive those moments. We can actually live in them because if we follow that impermanence kind of philosophy, like everything is impermanent, it's the good, the bad, it eventually kind of goes through. Um, But when we're actually in the moment, we can live in it and then we're not attached to it later on. And I still struggle. Like I, I have a park, there's a park that I grew up at as a kid that's on the other side of town. And it's funny. I still go there. I take little walks around. I take my kids there. Those are some of the best memories of when I was a kid. And I don't, I don't necessarily know that it's a necessarily an unhealthy thing. I'm, I'm not really sure. I know I enjoy going there and I know I enjoy reliving some of those memories as a kid. And uh, um, it's kind of funny though. Cause I think about, man, I'd love to go back and I'd love to go back and do, you know, play ditch again at the park, or I'd love to be, you know, here again. And it's like, man, that, that was a time and a place that is gone. And so I think it's really a testament too to the value of time. Like time is, one of the most valuable things we have uh, on this earth. And if we're not in the moment, then we're, we're wasting that time really. So good stuff, man. That's, that's really mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. You know, we can be in balance with it too, Shane. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, you go and enjoy it and you're grateful for it. That's great. But if you, 
if you wore your clothes, you know, if you had the same, if you dressed up <laughs> and did all this stuff, you know oh, what I mean? That's just freaking weird, buddy. But yes, I totally, I might, I'm going to try it now, damn it. I'm going for it. I'm going to dress in my overalls like I was 12 again. Yeah, that's it. You know, and you relived it, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. No, that would be a little excessive. Yeah. I think uh, I, would... I agree. <laughs> Now this last one I think really tells us the the real secret to this. I really think is in this last portion. It's interesting that first uh sentence the wise man then when he must govern must govern not get to govern or mm-hmm. when he must knows how to do nothing. Could we could apply that to our life. <laughs> yeah. When I have decisions to make, I know how to do nothing. How do I do that? You know, <laughs> leaving. Now, this is how you do it, though. This this is telling us this paragraph. Leaving things alone, he rests in his original nature. He's being human. He's not being what, excessive. I wonder what that's like. Not having all this stuff. Because we have all of this stuff. But we can have so we can we can have wisdom and knowledge and all these other things without it being a tumor for us, though, Marla. You know, we don't have to be excessive. Oh no, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. He who will govern will respect the govern no more than he respects himself. If he loves his own person enough to let it rest in its original truth, he will govern others without hurting him. So I guess the question is, how do we rest in our original truth? According to this verbiage, that's the whole goal. If you if you want to look at it that way. And that's what gives us self-respect in all the things that we want for ourselves, and that if we're not right-sized within, we can't deal with things outside of us properly either. So, and now he starts telling us. Any comments? Well, I don't know if it if it's exactly on that, but isn't this another way of saying this is how you live without attachments? Yes, Dennis. Yeah. Exactly. It's really not having attachments to anything. At all, right? And and that is kind of the Buddhist uh, way of, of living, right? Yeah, you know, it says, let him keep the deep drives in his own guts from going into action. In other words, don't, be, don't follow your impulses. Hmm. That's one of the first things we learn in recovery is, you know, Good. a lot of times, what is it? First thought wrong? Is that? <laughs> a thing that a lot of people talk about which is kind of ironic following our impulses is, is what put us five together here right yeah <laughs> because we did that <laughs> yeah. well but it's I, talking but, about the deep drives dennis it's talking about the things that i think it's talking about our fears more mm. than anything you know don't be driven by our fears mm. those things that are do what i mean I think it's also talking about excess love of things, as we were talking about before, those mm-hmm. eight delights. Yeah. When we excessively 
love things. Yes, fear, I think, is is one side of it. Absolutely. Um, but those deep drives, that that desire, that want for more, that leads us to be off balance. Yeah, but isn't that drive, though, either um, is comes from either afraid we're going to lose something that we have or not get something that we want. want. Yeah. Of course it is. Definitely. Yeah. So it's saying learn not to be driven by that. And there are a few tools that we learn in recovery are one, think it through. Think first you drink, think the drink through next. You think your life through, you know, you think through your decisions that you're going to make just like you had to think the drink through. So you think that through, you talk to someone about things. When you see yourself making a selfish or dishonest or resentful, fearful decision, you you talk to talk to someone in recovery about it. You know, you say you run it by someone. Say, is this really a good idea? Is this something I should be doing? You know, we're not this uh, island that makes all these fantastic decisions. It's my my best decisions, like. I hear a lot. My best decisions got me to where I am. So now all of a sudden I'm making all good decisions now that I'm not drinking anymore. I don't think so. <laughs> Do what, Marla? Like I'm sober today and now uh, I am connected to God. Yeah. And I, and oh. all my steps or, you know, blah, 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 you know? All, yeah. Yeah. Oh, let him now. Now, here's some real action that we can take. Let him keep still, not looking, not hearing. Let him sit like a corpse with the dragon power alive all around him. I don't know how many times I've been in the middle of situations and I just could not be still. I had to do something. Matter of fact, Dennis and I were talking about one of those today with a friend of ours. Or no, I was talking to Anna about that today. What we've been involved with a with a friend that infected some folks with COVID. I just want to call and fuss at him so bad. I've already done it once and had to had to make an amend. Yeah, and I just want to kick him. And my wife said, "You're just kicking the dog. Is all you're doing." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, you're right. You're right." Yeah, I said, I got to quit kicking. So I'm not going to get any. Uh, it's like all of this. I'm not going to get there's not enough uh, punishment out there for me to punish him. I just keep kicking him and keep kicking yeah. him. And it's never enough. You know, satisfaction with that at all. No, exactly, Marla. Exactly. It's the whole point. That's why revenge is not satisfying either. Right. Mm. Although some people keep doing it. But you're still fooled into that you think that revenge is satisfying. Yes, you're Because there is a moment where you, where you feel justice right after, right? But then it's just not enough, I guess. Yeah. And then Never enough. Being vengeful. Hmm. No, it that's, doesn't. I don't like any of it. That, that's why we, we learn that we respond to harm with kindness. You know, we respond with kindness. That's the only thing that satisfies. That's how we learn to be, is by being kind, by showing love. 
Now, so we sit like a corpse with the dragon power alive all around. In complete silence, his voice will be like thunder. So the weaker I get, the stronger I become, right? So when I let go, then I can see the solution. It's all those paradoxes, the surrender to win, all those things. It is a lot more effort for me to be silent than for me to act out. (laughs) A lot more effort. That's true. So this is not about doing nothing as in, you know, we think of doing nothing. This is about taking no selfish action. So in complete silence, his voice will be like thunder. His movements will be invisible like those of a spirit, but the powers of heaven will go with them. Unconcerned, doing nothing, he will see all things grow ripe around him. The fruit, you know, you can't make fruit grow. He'll just see it grow. You know, you, you, you might do the things that that make growth possible, but you're going, not going to make something grow, nor make it become right and ready. Mm-hmm. He will see all things grow ripe around him. Where will he find time to govern? In other words, where will he find time to meddle in things? For me, this is just the perfect picture of Wu Wei, of this whole effortless effort that we're just walking, walking this path. This is uh, just for me, an example of the of the path, really. Comments? Mm -hmm. Thought about the Gandhi quote. Um, He said uh, the one where. He said that I, I have so much to do today that. I should meditate. Maybe I should meditate two hours rather than one. No, that's not quite how it goes. If you don't have time to meditate, meditate all day long. It's something like that. You. I heard it said a different way. You don't have time to meditate. You need to meditate more. That was the gist of it. Yeah, that he had so many things to do that day that he should meditate two hours rather than one hour, than his regular one hour. In other words, he had so much to do that it was more important for him to meditate than to put forth excessive effort to to do what he what he thought he should do. Yes, I've heard the saying. I, I didn't know it was from Gandhi, but I heard if you're busy, you gotta meditate as, as uh, twice as much as normal. If you're busy and if you're stressed, you should. <laughs> yeah. In other words, do the opposite of what you think will work, right? Yes, how will, exactly. how will me sitting still help this situation? Mm. I've got to do something. Mm. And I hear, I still hear a lot of people at meetings and they're saying that meditation is not for me. I can't sit still without thinking. And that's the whole point that you learn to sit and you observe your thoughts. Oh, here you come. And here I drift away in another thought. And, and that's kind of interesting when you can, when you can notice that. But a lot of people are just copying out already saying, yeah, I can't do that. (laughs) Such a, uh, this, they don't really know what meditation is supposed to be. You're supposed to just sit there and be aware of what you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, who's to change? You can't really. <laughs> you can try and change their minds. I, I think there's a lot of forms of meditation, too. You know, you've mm-hmm. got a walking meditation. Uh, even 
going to a meeting and listening to others' ideas is a form of meditation, I think. Going to a meeting could be a form of meditation because you're surrendering. You're being still, really, is what you're doing. Because what they're saying here is that you, in other words, you quit self-effort. So any way that you quit the self-effort, to you start allowing, you rest, could, I think could be a form of meditation because you're surrendering. Any way that you're surrendering. Oh. I was having a, a little chat with my daughter last night um, because she at the at the dinner table, she had mentioned that uh, some bad thoughts she was having. And so we kind of started talking about I said, well, I said, you've been to sushi, right? And she said, well, yeah, I said, you know, you know, the sushi boat, it goes around. It's all, all you can eat sushi and you pick the boat, you pick which ones you want. And we were kind of talking about how our thoughts are kind of the same as that, like those thoughts come in. And we can choose which ones to pick or we can just let them pass. But ultimately, when we start taking them personal and we start, um, you know, uh, really attaching to them, that's when they could get dangerous. So it's like I, I was trying to she was like, oh, she's, and she said, well, what if you eat what if you eat one and it's really a, a nasty piece of sushi? And I said, well, yeah, there you go. I mean, that, you're, that could be that could be your poison right there. That thought will fester. And that could turn to anxiety, depression, um, all of those things. And so, um, you know, as we were kind of talking about this, I was kind of imagining it. And I'm like, man, yeah, like these thoughts are just passing through. And it's really up to me to allow them to just pass through and not get pissed off at myself because I thought that and it's wrong or I had a, a quick craving or whatever the heck it might be, you know. So, um, yeah, you just reminded me of that. Just because we have a thought doesn't mean, in my thinking, doesn't mean I've done something wrong. It's just a thought. Yeah. I can let it go. I don't have to act on that thought. Just like they were saying here about keep the deep drives in your own gut. In other words, don't share that. <laughs> keep, <you know. laughs> keep that from going into action. That was so hard when I was still out practicing drinking and drugging and early in the recovery. I followed every emotion and every thought I could, especially the negative ones, because there was a lot of those I remember. So it, it takes a while. And I couldn't do that uh, halt thing standing uh, or pause when I was agitated. I had to let that out. I couldn't. Somebody told me to sit on my hands. So that actually helped a little bit. But, yeah. You know, meditation practice can be difficult to uh, cultivate, but I think it's it's well worth it. I know uh, I've been at it for four years now, and it's wonderful. I, I don't know what I did before. I, I mean, it's such a part of my day that I wouldn't do without meditation now. Um, that stillness that they're talking about, just quieting those thoughts, not even if the thoughts are going, you you learn that you don't have to do what you're thinking you know just because you're having a thought about getting that you know snack out of the fridge doesn't mean you've got to do it mm. you can oh it's just a thought you know, mm. i didn't do that other crazy thought i had that was a lot more crazier than that <laughs> yeah it's funny i know y'all don't have crazy thoughts it's just me right 
No, oh. it's all yeah, just you, buddy. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I do, buddy. I definitely have crazy thoughts, but I will. But I will. I will tell myself. I will just like out loud say intrusive thought, and then it, it just <laughs> seems to make it okay, you know, because I accept that. I accept that it's okay for me to think like that. Like you said a minute ago, um, right. you know, as long as I don't take action on that, that's what I used to do. That's old behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And being that we were so driven by fear, a lot of times our thoughts are there to support our feelings. And if our feelings are fear driven, Mm. then all of our thoughts are going to be about how to protect that fear, Mm. how to feed that fear. So that that's a a lot of times coming into recovery. We we just covered up our fear, numbed ourselves for so long. That is hard to. To see that that's what we're doing. And then once we start surrendering all of this and realizing what's going on, then it, you know, just gets so much better. We can learn to be, get a little bit of rest as they were talking about here. Hmm. Anything else with this guys? This idea of, I, I like this idea of uh, respecting ourselves, And it reminded me of, when we start loving others, then we find love for ourselves. That when we start showing kindness to others, then you know that's when we get back what we're giving. So I, I thought about that a little bit with uh, how we could learn to respect ourselves and show kindness. This all reminded me of the Saint Francis prayer. Yeah, it did. Yeah, exactly. Read that for us, Amy. Do you have it handy? We'll close with that. I can in one moment. Yes, one moment exactly. Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there is hatred, I may bring love, that where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, that where there is discord, I may bring harmony, that where there is error, I may bring truth, that where there is doubt, I may bring faith, that where there is despair, I may bring hope that there where there are shadows. I may bring light that where there is sadness. I may bring joy. Lord grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved. For it is by self forgetting that one finds it is by forgiving that one is forgiven. It is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen. Thanks, Amy. You you know, it's interesting. The first of that prayer, it didn't say, I'm going to try hard to do this. He said, Lord, make me. Mm. So it's really no real effort on our part other than back to the letting go and being. We leave the rest up to our higher power. That's good. Good stuff. That is good stuff. Yeah. Anything else, guys? Everyone good? Well, y'all have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.